If I speak tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Welcome to The Gospel Life with Pastors Rob Mayer and Kyle Rogers. Guys. Hello, Jay. Good to see you. Yeah, good to be here, How Jay. How are you doing today? Jay, we love you. Did you know that? Yeah. We are so <laughs> thankful yeah, man. for you. <laughs> Absolutely. We what are an so honor. thankful for you. I'm flattered yeah. and grateful. Very much so. And I love you. Love you, you brother. Uh, today's episode, Unity in the Church. That's right. And obviously a little love that's going on right here <laughs> now. Yeah, man. <laughs> so uh, we just read from 1 Corinthians. There's some pretty, pretty powerful stuff there. Speaking in tongues. Uh, prophetic powers, but he, Paul, is suggesting there's something far above all of these things. That's right. How do we, with uh, all the challenges, again, looking at unity within the church and the various giftings, the various perspectives, the various strengths and even weaknesses, how do we as one body seek one mind and unity together? Hmm. Yeah, I love that. I love that question because I think a lot of times this text and this passage is, is used for the context of marriages. Like I've done ceremonies where I've read 1 Corinthians 13. I know Rob has, and we've all been at ceremonies for marriages where a husband or a two fiancés are committing to one another in this love. And that's amazing that it's talking about love, but specifically the context of 1 Corinthians 13, it's not a marriage text. It's not for the sake of a husband and a wife. It's actually delivered to a church in turmoil and in conflict and not experiencing unity in the church. They're not experiencing any sort of unity. And Paul builds over the course of his letter and has this capstone of what they're being called to, which resonates with what Jesus said was the greatest commandment, love God and love neighbor. So as we think about unity, as we think about what we're called to, unity in the church, we have to bring love into the conversation because we see it all throughout the New Testament that Jesus makes a big deal of it. Um, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. We love, as John says, uh, because he first loved us. Mm. Love comes into this conversation, and that's why we're bringing it to the table today. It seems, no doubt, in any you know uh, relationship of depth, there is conflict, and love is challenging <laughs> and stressed. Now, as pastors, I've no doubt you guys see uh, several dynamics, just uh, relationships within the church. What ways do you see love stressed stretched and maybe unattainable or difficult within the church the answer is yes <laughs> <laughs> we see it <laughs> the church right now and i'm just talking about the church universally but we could even boil it down to the church locally is under attack <laughs> in a way that wants to diminish the witness of christ in our community in any community. And that's why Jesus said in John 13, 35, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. 
Now, love, if we truly understand love, love is more than an emotion. Love is more than just kind of the, the warm fuzzies. Love is a choice. Love bears all things. Love presses in. Love fights for unity. Amen. Therefore, conflict, and what is, that's what's happening is conflict, especially if we just kind of look at our current time, our world is polarized. Therefore, mm-hmm. we have people that live in the real world, mm-hmm. and so a lot of that polarization comes inside the church, much of which brings about disunity. And that's where the attack inside the church, the attack to really express who God is and what he's done by the way we love one another. Mm. That is the thing that we have got to fight for is fight for unity inside the church because that choice to do so will actually be the greatest reflection they will know you're my disciples so good. by your love, which means they'll look at the church and go, you guys disagree on a lot of things, but you agree on the most important thing, Jesus Christ and his gospel going forth in your community. Therefore, you are fighting for love. That's why Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love is patient <laughs> and kind. Mm-hmm. Kind in the midst of struggle. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. If you look at the battle that's going on, it's all those things. It's arrogant. It's rude. It's, um, it's impatient. It's all these things. So, man, I, I guess I just say, yes, there is this <laughs> yeah. unity and there's yeah. a fight. And the fight that needs to be happening inside the church yeah. is choosing to love one another in the midst of differing opinions. Yeah. So if you'd be willing, uh, I, I know we're going to work our way to how do we do this together? Yeah. How do we seek and strive for unity? Uh, but let's first, if we could, maybe set up some more of the challenges. What is the problem? Where are you seeing disunity in the church? Yeah, I think I see it across political lines. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think social media emphasizes that or not emphasizes it because it's already been there, but exposes what was already there. Mm. I think I want to say that social media and the platform isn't an evil platform. It's exposing what's already in our hearts. Mm. So if we see on social media, polarizing lines between political ideologies, well, that's been there the whole time. It's just now louder for us and it's more evident for us. And what's getting, what's been on the inside is coming out in a, a more clear way than it ever has before. So I think politically we see that there's division across political lines. Um, I think, uh, well, when it comes to kind of the, the philosophy of uh, how churches should navigate challenging seasons uh, and the relationship of the church and the state, I think that there's two sides for that and how Christians are navigating that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at a bigger level, there's also the conversation of when hard times come, do we as the church press into the culture and go into it for the sake of the gospel or do we retreat? How do we respond to hardship around us? Because there's many different approaches and we see lines being driven down these two things. So I think between all those conversations, we've been alarmed. I've been alarmed. Our elder team has been alarmed that, as Rob was saying, the conflict that's taking place in the world around us, the church looks no different. Mm. And, And that's 
that's scary for us. We need to actually recognize that something's happening, that we're starting to look a lot like the world in our division mm. and in our self-righteousness and in our pride um, and our opinions. And we're actually called to a better way, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this episode, which is one of the reasons why last Thursday, our elder meeting, we spent two hours talking about how do we navigate this as a church? What's it look like? How do we do all these things? Yeah, so. I, I think an interpretation would be, oh, you're saying we're not supposed to have conflict. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yep. Jesus came. I didn't just come to bring peace. I actually came to bring a sword. Mm. So it's not always all Christians shouldn't always be about peace about everything. Mm -hmm. There's things that should divide. Um, but we need to make sure that the, the ground that we're standing on f to define truth isn't ground that we've defined as truth, but ground that God's word defines as truth. And I, I want to unpack that a little bit because yeah, I think yeah. in this season I can say, well, I'm, I'm taking this position, you know, we don't just need to have peace at all costs. I'm taking a stand for what I believe to be true with our Bibles closed, mm. clo uh, holding close to our personal opinions and ideologies. Yeah. What we want to invite into and what I believe scripture is inviting us into is if we're going to stand on an absolute ground of truth, it needs to be found here. You know, we've done an episode on the, the beauty of God's word and the sufficiency of scripture and its authority. We need to be careful in this season not to have opinions that aren't deeply entrenched in God's word. Yeah, it seems so tragically ironic that in this age of information, opinion seems to rule or mm -hmm. information and truth is now in question. Yeah. And to the point that people feel that their own opinion is absolute truth yeah, yeah. or, or it swings the other way and there is no such thing as truth. Yeah. It is only opinion at this point. Mm -hmm. And then you bring bias into it or influence that comes in through social media, uh, the various means that are, you know, trying to push their own agenda mm. and distorting some facts. Mm. So information gets really difficult. How do we discern? Mm. Well, we got to discern <laughs> what is our agenda? I think discerning what your agenda is and then going, is that what my agenda, my life agenda should actually ah, be about? That's good. I think when we find ourselves in conflict and if we are in relationship with people, we will find ourselves in conflict. Yeah. The church, that is going to happen. Yeah. You're going to find yourself in conflict with differing opinions. We, mm -hmm. we have much gray in the, in, in the word of God. We have things that, you know, we can land on either side of the line. There are things that are absolutely certain and absolutely true. And therefore we need to be clinging to those things. So, so what is the agenda of our life? And I think when we, when we enter into this conversation, conversation, we, we oftentimes find out what that really is. <laughs> yeah. You know, what should we truly be about loving God and loving others? I mean, Jesus summarized the entire law of God yeah. with loving your neighbor as yourself, loving God and loving others. Mm -hmm. And so when we are in these, you know, arenas where we find disagreement, we need to be saying to ourselves, what, what am I, mm -hmm. what am I truly about? What am I truly fighting for? And oftentimes the things that I'm arguing, you know, I need the Holy Spirit to convict me yeah. and say, you know what, you're about something else besides Jesus Christ and him crucified, proclaiming his gospel to a lost and dying world. And I think when Jesus says, they will know you're my disciples by your love, you will actually figure that out pretty quickly mm -hmm. and say, we're, we're, we're discussing wrong things. And we're having dialogue over things that really aren't vital or essential. And maybe I'm 
maybe I need to confess my sin because I'm I'm on I'm on a platform. I'm going a direction. I have an agenda that really isn't what what Christ is about. And we need to find unity in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And then therefore we can just say, you know what, we ad- agree to disagree, but I'm going to do whatever it takes so that the gospel goes forth through my life and into my community. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to hinder anything. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to let anything hinder that one thing. That's my agenda. Mm-hmm. So with that, let's contextualize it a little bit. What's a, a right now in this time a current dilemma happening within the church? Masks. <laughs> <laughs> what masks. should you, you mean? No masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What should Christians be doing mm. in and around the mask conversation? Mm, yep. You know, we're on the heels of COVID nineteen. Nobody that I know that I'm spending time with that's really dialoguing about this a lot is a scientist. I mean, (laughs) we are having to interpret a lot of data for ourselves. Mm -hmm. There's a lot specifically inside the church community. Well, let's just say there's a lot because it's a political Mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. It's filtered and flowed into the church community. Mm -hmm. And I think it becomes a distraction. Mm Mm-hmm from what is most important and it is yeah. bringing massive division yeah. inside yep. the church. And and I would say it has become a distraction by the way we've navigated it, but actually mm. in the sovereignty of God, he's not asleep at the wheel. He's allowing this conversation because actually he wants us to lo- know something. He wants us to grow in something. He's allowing this conversation to be put on the front doors of the church because he actually wants to grow us and sanctify us and refine us and unify us. But we actually have to be willing to enter into that conversation by leaving our own opinions and ideologies at the door and saying, what is our standard of truth? Well, let's do this with Bibles open. Mm. I just, I want to make the argument that God is not surprised by this and that having the conversation isn't sin. The conversation is meant to be had, and God's inviting yeah. us into yeah. it, and that's beautiful. But I think the way that we've navigated it, oh, we've botched it so far, so in me, my opinion. So give me, if you would, a breakdown of what are a couple of the camps. I assume we're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, a, a, yes, I'm for masks mm-hmm. for various reasons. Let's let's unpack that. For what reasons? And then those are that opposed mm-hmm. to the masks, what, what, what's, what do they bring to the argument? Mm-hmm. And I realize, mm-hmm. you know, uh, whether it's general terms or or paraphrasing or trying to give an idea, but what, what are some of the things you're hearing from those that are uh, opposed to masks, for example? Yeah, I mean, I will I guess I'll start with those that are opposed to masks, okay. right? Because I, I think I have a lot of empathy towards that position um, because I, I'm not talking to a whole lot of people that are foolish, that are dumb, um, that aren't educated people that are just having throwing around terms like they don't know what they're talking about. Actually, there's a lot of research being done Mm -hmm. and they're doing their best to ground it. So if someone's opposed to wearing a mask in this season, they would say, there's so much gray in the science of what's going on with COVID-19. Even across scholarly platforms, there's differing opinions and the margin of what's actually dangerous about this thing. Like the margin of people Mm -hmm. that are dying, I know there's massive numbers, we understand that, but the percentage is so small and it's such a small part of the population that if we just do our best to keep some distance, we don't need to wear a mask for the sake of public health. Not only that, but we're a little bit wary of the government. 
the government has the potential across the history of humanity to overreach, mm-hmm. to okay. put themselves into positions that they have no business being in and actually violate the personal liberties and freedoms of the people that are entrusting them to govern. So with that, they're cautious of the government asking us to do things, infringing upon personal rights and freedoms that I say, the government, you don't have a right to tell me what I can put on my body. So I'm really cautious about that. So with those two arguments, looking at science to the best of their ability, also looking at caution of government overreach, they go, I'm not for this. And I respect that because their logic actually lines up from just being strictly logical. But then the other side also lines up too, which is the debate. Yeah. And I imagine there's a lot of people and, and I, you know, again, the idea I think of wearing a mask is for um, health sake. Mm-hmm. And some people might feel that their health is in jeopardy by wearing a mask, mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, uh, breathability, yeah. et cetera, yep. or maybe there's some psychological side of it. hundred percent. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, if it's more nuanced than just, hey, I line up on the far alt-right. No, that's ignorance to say that anyone who doesn't want to wear a mask is only in that camp. That's foolish of us to say this. There's other people in different perspectives, and they all have reasons why. But those two reasons, I would say, looking at science and then looking at being cautious of government overreach Mm -hmm. have been the two common ones that I've heard of. I'm not comfortable wearing a mask. Okay? That's the side. That's the position. And, yeah, do you want to elaborate on the the, um, those that are for wearing the masks? I think the conversation itself, when it becomes about wearing a mask, I think that's where it gets a little scary. And what we need to do as Christians, so if anyone is a believer who's listening to this podcast, this is a very heated debate, and we want to walk this with massive humility. But I want to say, first off, let's put aside everything that we might be holding on to. Hebrews 12 says, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin, which clings so closely. And let's run with endurance the race that's set before us, looking to Jesus. So what I, what I want to do right now is I think we need to get into the word of God. Mm-hmm. And we need to understand the word of God has already spoken to issues just like this. And we need to lay aside... Whatever we are holding on to, whatever preference or opinion, whatever ideology or whatever we might be clinging to that's causing a little rise right now, laying that aside, let's look at the Word of God and let's see if the Word of God actually speaks to this and says there's a better way. I think you said that earlier, Kyle. There is a better way forward. And so, well, what, what exactly is that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think we have to go there. I think one value in any debate and understanding either side is I think in a debate, uh, you hold so closely to your opinions and not to the word of God that you can't listen to the other side. So in thinking about what are the anti-maskers actually advocating and hearing at the core of it, hey, I've done my research. I've done my best. I don't think it's dangerous. And I'm cautious of the government. I hear that side and I go, I have empathy for you. And then on the other side of that, the pro-maskers, well, I've done my research. I see that it is risky. And according to my understanding, I'm actually in love, going to wear one. And I think the government should have a role in this. So having empathy for either side, I think we've missed that. Now, we don't stop there is what you're advocating. We need to hear each other's side, but then arrive at a place of what does now God's word say? Leave your opinions at the door, right? And let's go there. And I love that you're pushing us there because we have to go there. But I do think that there's a step before that of, I haven't heard you at all. 
I haven't heard your why. Let me hear your why. And now let's go to God's why. Because both of us need to be corrected. Both of us need to be um, aligned and directed by God's word. Yeah, we choose to be patient. We choose to be kind. We choose to listen. We choose, that's, we choose love. Yes. Love for the sake of the other and yeah. listening well to grow yeah. and understand where where we should be looking and what our agenda actually should be. So good. Yeah. So am I going to find in God's word affirmation as to my beliefs? <laughs> actually, what, what we're going to find in God's word and if we truly submit ourselves to the word of God, we're, we're going to find that we're probably holding on to something that, um, that I want more than God. Mm, that's so good, dude. And, oh. and what I need to do, oh, man, both and of this us. is hard, <laughs> all of us, <laughs> I need to let go of that that's so because good. that thing is actually keeping me from the reward that is God himself Yeah, and experiencing Abundant life that Jesus promises in John 10. So, I mean, this is hard to do. I mean, the Lord's prayer is exactly this. It's thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's it's a surrendering of my will to the will of God. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, we're probably going to be offended by the word of God right now. Mm Mm-hmm. To be frank with you. Yeah. Yeah. How do we then navigate something like this where there clearly is, even though all of us, I hope, Mm -hmm. are trying to seek God's will in some of these choices and we're called to speak truth and love. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are folks on several sides, certainly both sides of this equation that are saying, I am on the side of truth and Mm -hmm. love. Mm -hmm. So let me help you on the other side. Mm -hmm. How do we, how do we differentiate or navigate this particular that's such topic. a that's a good question. I think we have to ask first, and we've said this before on the podcast, what is truth? Now, at a basic level, we believe that this is I'm holding a Bible right now. This is truth. So when we come to a conversation like masks, we need to ask, does God's word explicitly tell us anything related to the conversation we're having? If I go into my concordance, is mask anywhere? Mm. Well, no, I didn't find it. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) All right. So I can't use my Bible. I got to now rely on my own wisdom, my own understanding. Well, no, that's wrong. Because the next question is, does God's word give us principles or guidelines Mm. and truth for helping us navigate a conversation like this? And with that, we have a resounding yes. Mm -hmm. We don't have a pandemic of COVID-19 with masks back in the early church, but they were navigating conflict. They had things dividing them like crazy moral superiority in the midst of that self-righteousness in the midst of that. Everyone thinks they're right in the midst of that. And yet God's word gives us directions for how to navigate that. So that's where we want to go is we actually want to look at an example in the early church, specifically in the church at Corinth and what they were processing and navigating. And then what the Lord gave to them through the apostle Paul that we now have in scripture for how they could go about that conversation. We think about Corinthians. We don't know much about this church. Um, the church at Corinth was a church planted by Paul. Um, Corinth was a really popular trade city and it was kind of the hub of a lot of travel, a lot of commerce, um, a lot of ideas. There's a lot going on there. And yet a church gets planted there with the gospel of Jesus Christ. People get saved, but this is a pretty new church. And because this city, this town is so filled with cultures and ideas and ideologies of the world around it, it was challenging to learn. Now what, what's God calling us to as a 
people and how's that reconcile with the world? Mm -hmm. Specifically, we see all throughout it, Paul writes to them about sexual immorality and there's a guy doing something that he shouldn't with, you know, a gal and he says, don't be this way. We actually don't want to look this way sexually. God's called you to something different. Mm -hmm. So he brings the gospel to bear on our sexuality. That's in 1 Corinthians. He brings the gospel to bear on divisiveness and identity of who we follow. He talks about, well, you don't follow Apollo, so you don't follow Paul. You follow Jesus. They're just the ones that planted, I watered. That's it. We follow Christ. They had camps of, I'm on Team Apollos, Team Paul. Who cares? So the gospel's coming to bear there. And specifically, there's a huge conversation that Paul brings the gospel to bear upon. And it's the conversation of food sacrificed to idols. So what we're saying is there's principles in this conversation that relate to masks. We're not going to get to the masks yet. We need to dive into the food sacrifice to idols conversation to understand it. And the background of that conversation is this. In this church, there were people getting saved out of pagan false god cults. Think of it. The church of Corinth There's a lot of false God worship there. There's a lot of temples, a lot of Greek mythology, all these things. And the gospel's saving people. People are getting rescued. That's amazing. There's a better God, the true living God. He sent his son for you. So people are getting saved. But think about that. Somebody yesterday was in a temple offering a animal sacrifice to the false God of whatever. They hear the gospel get saved. Now they're in Jesus church. (laughs) There's some unwinding that needs to be done. There's some baggage they're bringing in. And specifically with this church, they, uh, one of the conversations they're having is what do we do with meat being sold in the marketplace that was offered to an idol the last day or yesterday? Well, it's in the marketplace. I'm hungry. I want some meat to eat. (laughs) I want some ribs. I want some whatever. I'm going to buy this because it's just meat. It's just meat. But there's a challenge there. Some of the believers are saying, hey, this is wrong for us to eat meat sacrificed to idols. Other believers are saying, hey, I think all meat's clean now. I think we can eat this. It doesn't really matter. It's just meat. Who cares? So there's a dividing wall being driven through the church of where people are standing. And in that, there's a party of believers in in the church at Corinth that are saying, I have the rights and privileges to eat meat sacrificed to idols. I have that right. Don't tell me I can't and don't tell me I shouldn't because I have the right and privilege to do it. So back off. So Paul's talking to that conflict. I hope that's a little bit of background for us. Yeah, if I may, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 8. Should I go ahead and read it? Yeah. Now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and that there is no God but one. For although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. However, not all possess this knowledge, but some through former association with idols eat food as really offered to an idol, and their conscience, being weak, is defiled. Food will not commend us to God. We are no worse off if we do not eat it, and no better off if we do. 
but take care that this right of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if anyone sees you who have knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will he not be encouraged, if his conscience is weak, to eat food offered to idols? And so by your knowledge this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Thus sinning against your brother and wounding their conscience when it's weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never eat meat, lest I make my brother stumble. I felt like I stumbled over that question. <laughs> That's great. I'm glad you read that. So tell me more. Yeah. So I think I think from this, from the text that we just read, there's some some big idea principles that we draw out from this that I think are important for us to see. Um, the first one is this in First Corinthians eight one. Paul says very very clearly. Now food concerning uh, now concerning food offered to idols, we know that all of us p- possess knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. When it comes to a debate on a matter of opinion in the local church, if we're going about it with the agenda of knowledge, trying to have my knowledge, my understanding be imposed upon yours, Mm. we're having the wrong conversation. Wrong conversation. Paul says knowledge puffs up. Oh, that's convicting. I always, when I feel like I have knowledge that somebody else doesn't have and I've worked hard to get it and it's right, it puffs me up. Mm. It builds me up with a pride of I'm right, you're wrong. So Paul's identifying very quickly. Don't boast in your knowledge about anything. Mm. James says really clearly in James 3, this is the wisdom that's from above. It's pure. It's peaceable. It's open to reason. It's full of mercy and good fruits. If you're having a conversation on a debate or topic and it's puffing you up and you're seeing anything other than that, you are in the wrong conversation, friend, and you need to be rebuked. Yeah, he's talking about the agenda here. If you're if your knowledge is puffing you up to win this, you know, this argument because you have an agenda, he's saying there's a different agenda. Yes. Love. Yes. Love instead choosing that agenda because that agenda builds up and brings unity Unity. (laughs) inside the church. Yes. So number one, don't boast in your knowledge about anything because knowledge puffs up. Number two, Paul makes the point in this conversation of food sacrifice to idols, that idols are nothing. This conversation isn't about idols. Paul says pretty clearly in 1 Corinthians 8, 4, therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence and there's no God but one. Yeah. Because you're talking about idols, making them the main point of this conversation. Uh, God, there's a living God who's not intimidated by idols. He is bigger and greater than them. So we don't really care about idols. It's not about idols. So if you think you're making the stand of, I'm going to eat food sacrificed to idols or not based on my knowledge of idols, you're having the wrong conversation. Mm-hmm. Idols are nothing. This is actually about something entirely different. Yep. And then he invites them into what it's actually about, coming out of the, but love builds up entry that he gives to this, this passage. He says in 1 Corinthians 8, 7, do my actions have the potential to bring harm to my brother? He says, not all possess this knowledge that it's not really about idols. Some through former associations with idols. These are believers that just got saved from these idol cults. Some, they eat food as if it's really offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. So me, I have the freedom to eat. So they see me eating food that was offered to an idol. He's one day out of being rescued from a pagan worshiping idol sacrificing cult. And he's asking questions like, oh, 
Is that believer worshiping a false God by eating that meat? If I eat this meat, am I worshiping a false God? They're stumbling in their weak faith, Mm. brand new faith. And Paul is asking the question, if do your actions have the ability to make another brother stumble or bring harm to another brother? This conversation isn't about who's right. It's about asking, is what you're doing bringing harm to somebody else or making them stumble? And Paul's saying in this conversation, yeah, it is. It absolutely is. Your knowledge and rights actually have the potential to harm another believer. That's like revolutionary for us. Yeah. Because I would argue these guys that were eating the food sacrificed idols, they're not thinking I'm actively harming another believer. Yeah. They're not doing it ill intentionally. They're not trying to hurt somebody. They're Christians too. But the consequence of their actions is that weaker brothers are stumbling and questioning their faith. Yeah. And Paul's bringing that. Can't help but think they would even feel some freedom. Yeah. I, I'm not subject to these idols. I can do whatever so I want. For, I can do what I want. And I want yeah. you to have that freedom too. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Without regard for the other person yep. and their position. Yep. Not caring in one iota yep. what they've gone through in life. Yeah. And really taking a self-centered approach saying, we can do this. This is freedom. It's my right. It is my right to do so. Therefore, in a lot of ways, blatantly disregarding the other person's position, Mm. the other person's story, not even really caring about the other person to just do what I have the right to do. And they did have the right. Yes. They did have the right to just eat any meat because the meat doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But putting themselves in this posture of arrogance is causing another brother to question his faith and not understand and to feel less than, which creates a hierarchy in the church and division and it's brokenness. And that is what the apostle Paul is saying. When you advocate for something that is really within your rights to do, but Uh, it's causing another person, you might want to really consider if that's an appropriate agenda to be on because loving others over yourself, love is going to be the distinguishing mark. From the church and the world. And I really want to be clear here. What we're talking about, what Paul is addressing, is people inside the church, not people outside the church. And I think this conversation around mass becomes this this multi layered conversation. No, 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 stop. Inside the church, believers, yes, fellow believers who are seeing it a little bit differently because of their paradigm, because of their story, because of how they are experiencing the world, what they've been through, those type of things. Yeah. And that's where Paul lands, right? So in light of this conversation, hey, be careful of your knowledge puffing up. Hey, this conversation isn't about food sacrifice to idols at all. It's about relationships yes. and love and unity. And be be mindful that your rights and privileges actually have the potential to harm another believer, right? Mm. Bring harm to them. In light of that, where does Paul land? Mm. 8.13. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble... I'll never eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Yeah. Paul had every right to eat meat. Later on, he writes the book of Romans and says, all things are clean. All things are clean. It doesn't matter. It's not about meat. But if actually this makes you stumble, I'll never eat meat again Mm -hmm. because he's so focused on unity and the love in the church that that's what he's fighting for. So then with that, we take this amazing text and we directly connect it to masks. 
right? We don't read masks anywhere here, but are there some principles? And I'll just read these off and then we can unpack them. Number one, we, in the conversation of masks, we can never boast in knowledge about anything, according to this text. <laughs> if you're boasting in your knowledge and your understanding and your logic, wrong conversation. Yeah. And this text is saying that's not the conversation we should be having. Yeah. Number two, a mask is nothing. Wearing one isn't sin. Not wearing one isn't sin. It's nothing. We've made it so much about this little piece of fabric we put on our face, but it's not about that. It actually, you have the freedom to choose to wear a mask or the freedom not to choose to wear a mask. The Bible gives you that freedom. But in light of that, if not wearing a mask has the potential to bring harm to another person or cause another believer to stumble, you're being called in this text to actually wear a mask. Mm. Now that's what I just said. I'm sure there's people listening going, Foul! Throwing the flag, frustrated. But think about that. If what I'm doing has the potential to bring harm in any way to even one of us, and in the conversation of COVID-19, does this have the potential to harm any one of us? I think of my brother, Joe Walling, who lost his dad to COVID-19. He lost his father to this. If this has the potential to harm any one of us, I'll put this thing on if it has the potential to cause any brother or sister in Christ to stumble in their faith. I'll put this thing on because I'm more about the church in unity than I am about my rights and privileges. Mm. So the church in unity, and I would say the agenda or the agenda that we should all be on is worshiping Jesus. Yes. Causing another brother to stumble, for example, might be this. I'm entering into church and I'm so taken back by this person not wearing one or because I'm maybe feel like I need to be wearing one for my circumstance or situation and I cannot hear the gospel. Mm. I am so distracted by what's going on around me because people are exercising rights and privileges that I have to step outside of the room because I'm worried because of what I'm experiencing, I'm stumbling in a way where I can't even hear the gospel of which I need, which is the power of God for salvation. And so I'm causing another brother to stumble because I'm going to exercise some sort of right. And I think this can go both ways. Yes. This can so, go both ways. So this isn't towards the anti-maskers no. or no. the people no. that are... People are finding their righteousness on what they wear on their face. Which Jesus said, your righteousness must exceed that of the scribes and the Pharisees, or you will not enter the kingdom of God. We find our righteousness in Jesus Christ alone. And our greatest desire is to share that gospel with other people so that they can know that they find their righteousness apart from works, but by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone because of his grace Amen. that is gifted to us. Yep. So, you know, when Paul talks a little bit more about this in Romans 14, yep. it says in Romans 14, 1, it says, for as the one who is weak in faith, welcome him. This can go either direction. Yep. If you're kind of connecting it to our present yep. day, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> Why are we quarreling over opinions if our agenda is not our personal rights and freedoms, but our agenda is Jesus Christ yep. and him crucified so I can know him, yep. so I can love him, so I can worship him, so that I can share him with others, whatever side of the political yep. line or ideology they're on. 
I want to love my neighbor. Therefore, I find myself in these circumstances, you know, wandering around, just carrying a mask, listening. Do I put it on now? Do I take it off now? Do I, put, I, I just it's all about context. I just, just want to make sure I can share at. Christ. Yes, that's all that matters. And I have personal, you yeah. know, things that I hold on to. But man, I am trying to keep my eyes on Jesus, yeah. letting go of all the other things just so I can declare Christ. Mm-hmm. So I can love my neighbor. Yeah. And, I, and I would pray, and I don't do that perfectly, but I yeah. would pray that I do it better and that yeah. we as a church would do that better, yeah. that we'd care more about yeah. worshiping Christ and sharing him with others than anything else. That's good. And I want to follow up with that because I'm, I'm wondering for the person listening that's saying, okay, you're, you're poking out a lot in me. <laughs> you're pushing on a lot. And I'm thankful that they've stuck with us. And if they're still listening, praise God. But I want to be sensitive to that person because I've had conversations with members and leaders at Gospel Life that say, I just have a personal conviction about not wearing a mask. All right. Now, one, we've, we've just invited you from God's word to go through 1 Corinthians 8 and even, you know, Romans 14 to consider your personal convictions in light of scripture. But if you're still in a place, you're like, I just have conviction about it. I just, I don't know. I just feel this gut conviction about it. Well, Actually, God's word has something to say to you as well, Mm. because they could be saying, you just turned an entire theology of what I should do based on one chapter in God's word. We actually need to take the whole of scripture and see how it comes to bear. So if that's you, if you're wrestling with that and you're saying, my conscience is telling me I shouldn't wear this, it's just deep in my gut. And I've done the hard work of filtering my feelings through the lens of the gospel. James tells us in James 4, 17, whoever knows the right thing and fails to do it, For him, it is sin. Mm. What that means is that if you have a gut conviction about what you feel like is right, and if you go against that, that's actually sin for you. That's you violating your own conscience. If God's given you the conscience that's informed by the spirit and directed by the Mm. word, and you're struggling, then actually, okay, listen to that only after you've gone through this lens. But there's a but. And this is the the challenge to that person, because I know we have those at Gospel Life that are just saying, I feel stuck. I feel conviction. There's always costs to every decision we make. Always costs. You don't make that decision in a vacuum or in isolation. Mm-hmm. So if you're making that decision, I have a conviction not to, there's a few costs. Well, number one, you may be in you holding to that conviction. You might be putting others at risk without them knowing. Everyone you interact with, are they aware of your convictions? Are they aware that you're not wearing a mask anywhere in your environment or in their world? Are they aware of that? You might actually put somebody else at risk because of your conviction. You need to count that cost. Number two, you might uh, have the cost of losing fellowship with other believers Mm -hmm. because not everyone's going to have your conviction and you cannot put that on everybody else. It's a personal conviction. That's what you're saying. It's not something we have to do from God's word. It's your own conviction. You might lose fellowship and that stinks, but that, and that's a cost to you clinging to that conviction. What I would invite this person into on the other side of it is not to put others at risk, to not lose the risk of, uh, uh, take the risk of losing fellowship, but instead to say, all right, based on the environment that I'm in, based on the people, I'm going to in love be more mindful of where, what they're processing and where they're at than my own personal opinions. And I'll put a mask on if they want me to, and I won't if they don't. And that's fine. That's actually sacrificial love. The cost of you for the sake of another it sounds a lot like Jesus. Mm. So that would be the invitation. But I just want to be very empathetic to that yeah, side. Yeah. That scripture gives you some direction in light of that conviction. You got to filter these things, but know that there's some cost to it. 
It sounds like you're calling us to walk in humility and consider others before ourselves. Mm. How would you suggest any any um, guidance for the GC leader out there, the gospel community <laughs> guy that's got you know a dozen, twenty folks coming over, mm. and maybe this thing sways a little bit? Where obviously we're we're, we're well into COVID, but it's not over yet. Mm. Any advice on how to keep this relevant? Do we keep bringing it up? Does it to get old? What do we do? That's a real hard place to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where a lot of our people currently are. Yes. I think the first place that we have to begin is we have to redirect the conversation back to the word of God. Back to the great commandments in scripture. And I know that that can become a, a you know debate in of itself, but it's trying to filter Right? What does God's word actually say? Well, it's love. I mean, we started with 1 Corinthians 13. It's mm-hmm. love. Love's over all things. And so what's the best way to love the people around us? And how do we worship God? How do we not create a stumbling block? It's, it's, it's getting back to that because I think, man, it's so polarizing that we can just sit here and we can argue about the... The main, you know, we, we make it the, we, we take a secondary thing. We make it a main thing. <laughs> yeah. It's not really about mass. It's about love. So getting back to that, I think is, is first off, like how do we best love each other? You know, j- j- like Jesus said, they will know you're my disciples yeah. by your love. That's that choice. It's bringing unity. And it's really trying to probably not everyone is going to want to enter into this, but really bringing a mediated, mm-hmm. Uh, conversation together where people can be heard. I mean, I had, you know, I, I recently stepped into a community to do this and it's exactly over this main thing. Mm-hmm. It's exactly over this, this issue. Mm-hmm. And there's just, there's just polarizing sides, but I, but realize, you know, we're in the church, we're about Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and bringing it back to him, listening to the other party, trying to move from being critical to compassion Amen. Mm-hmm. and then moving forward in a way that doesn't make the mass the center, yep. but Jesus Christ, yeah. the center and his good. glory. It makes me think of, you know, in scripture, we see that, that Christ despised the cross for the joy that was set before him, that, you know, the cross was almost insignificant compared to the unity and the, all the people that he would be drawing mm. to himself, the salvation that was in store for so many. Mm. Now the cross was painful and he was rejected. He um, stayed there nailed in pain. There was persecution and pain with that. And yet in his eyes, it was almost insignificant compared to the joy set before him. Mm -hmm. I think if we think of the unity in store as believers and the love that we can share with one another Mm -hmm. by God's grace through the power of Christ, may we, may even an argument that is so heated be almost disregarded, like just have less weight to it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So to the GC leader or to any believer, I would say, number one, try to have the conversation yourself and see what happens. Enter into it with humility, enter into it looking to Jesus and and see, because I think a lot of times we shy away from the conversation and we don't lead it. Then this last season, our GC leaders have courageously stepped into it and they've done a great job. But nine times out of 10, you know where that conversation's gone. Oh boy, we need some help. (laughs) Praise God for that. Actually, we see in the New Testament, whenever there's conflict, it always goes up. 
And what I mean by that is now we bring it to the elders. We bring it to those that God's put to be able to guard sound doctrine and to help us work this out. So we've had hours and hours and hours of conversation over the last year with GC leaders that say, hey, I tried to have the conversation. Didn't go well. (laughs) Now what? Oh, great. Let's open our word. Let's open the scriptures. We'll help you navigate through this and enter into it with all those things that Rob was just saying. One thing that I do... If I were to just uh, personally, one thing that I regret, I know that God's sovereign and his control over the church is perfect. So it's hard, weird to say that I regret. I think we're coming to a really sweet understanding of God's word in 1 Corinthians 8 and Romans 14 as it pertains to this conversation that I wish I had nine months ago. Mm-hmm. I wish I had 12 months ago. I wish that my first instinct and our first instinct when this came up was search but honestly, when it came up, I went, this doesn't have anything to say. My Bible doesn't have anything yeah. to say about masks. Here's my opinion. And I got into hot water with that. So I'm looking back and praising God now that he's leading us there. But I'm just recognizing this is a better resource, God's word, than we've given it credit for. Yeah. And I, I think it's we could be tempted to either avoid it or try to quickly resolve it and then say, okay, that's it. It's in stone. Mm-hmm. Rather than mm-hmm. let's readdress this. And as a group, yeah. as, as believers continue to dialogue and changes may come. It may be important to change some of those positions. Now for practical perspective, and I I don't know if this is helpful or not, but our group, when COVID first came around, we decided, uh, and I think prayerfully and collectively, um, that we would do Zoom calls because I didn't want to risk losing any one person where they would then be out of community. I would rather that we got together online for the sake of sacrifice uh, so we didn't lose anybody. Well, then eventually, months later, people started to get more comfortable, but there was still concern. So we broke it down to smaller groups. We'll have four people meet at this mm-hmm. house, some other people meet at this house. Some people just met online. So there, so there was still community happening, but in smaller versions and in the way they felt comfortable. We're now at a point where we had last, just last night, we had everybody get together. That's awesome, Jay. It was yeah. awesome. But yeah. I, I say all that just to say that I think we should be revisiting this and checking in with one another, praying with one another. Mm-hmm. And I hope, Rob, you know, that it's not losing sight of the big picture. Yes. That it is about loving Jesus and loving others. And the loving others leads us to continued prayerful dialogue. Yes. Well, loving Jesus and loving others requires sacrifice. Love requires sacrifice. What you just talked about right there. There was, had to be patience with that group. Yep. There had to be kindness in that group. Yep. It says love does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant. There wasn't, now there was obviously times where people were challenged, but for the sake of others, continued to press yep. in, mm-hmm. continued to sacrifice, to, to, to give something up, you know? And, and I just, hmm. I, I love this. It says love is not rude. It does not insist on its own way. <laughs> It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believe all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Yeah. Love never ends. And so it's it's a constant dying to self for the sake of others. Yeah. And that's that's yeah. the key when we're talking about inside the church, once again, choosing to love yeah, for the it, sake of unity. Amen. Yeah. And, and amen. I believe that God does give us his spirit that we may at times do that faithfully. What about, as you read that list, I'm going, ooh, uh, not irritable? Boy, I get irritable sometimes. Oh, yeah. So, so how, when we fail, yeah. what do we do? We, we fail, and pr- hopefully by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we realize 
You know, the agenda is loving God and loving others. And I hurt this person. I caused a stumbling block or I'm angry at this person or I'm resentful. It's going to them. It's going to them and saying, I am sorry. I had a personal agenda. I have personal stance and I refuse to hear you, listen to you, see you. Will you forgive me? We are now ministers of reconciliation. That is who we are because of Christ. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And God gives us, it says, continues. He gives us this ministry of reconciliation. What he has done for us, we carry that into the relationship with others. So that means we will hurt each other. We will offend each other, but we reconcile because that's what love does. Amen. And because that's what God did with us. Amen. Yeah. If you're struggling to love in this season, you need to know Christ's love. You need to know his love. I mean, we've read this before, but Philippians 2, he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant. He came down to save us. And as you were talking about your gospel community, it made me think about the people from your gospel community that we know intimately. People that um, this was a hard season for them, yeah. that it was massively challenging. Yeah. If people at Gospel Life that were in GC that were frustrated and are frustrated at Zoom and all these things. But actually thinking about those families in your GCJ, and I'm thinking about them by name right now, thinking about those at Gospel Life, they've made a choice in love that actually makes Jesus so wonderful. Mm. It celebrates the sacrificial love of Christ to say, I disagree with this and this is frustrating, but I'm gonna lay aside my rights and privileges and I'm gonna be committed to this at great cost to myself. That puts the gospel on display so loud and clear. And we have so many at Gospel Life in this last season that have done just that. And we praise God for that. Absolutely praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that in your great love for us, you laid down everything so that we could know you, so that we could be saved, we can be redeemed, we can be restored. You are so patient with us, Lord, as we grow and as we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. But we are safe and secure because of Jesus. Jesus, thank you. For being our mediator, for being yes, our God. advocate. Yes. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for reminding us, for convicting us of our sin and pointing us to Jesus. And so we pray that as the church, we would navigate these conversations differently than the world. Yes, God. We would not, we would not fail to lay down everything else so that we could look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Jesus, we long for you to be exalted in our community. Would we be different than the world? Would they know we are your disciples by the way we love one another? So help us do this. Convict us when we have it. And show us the path to life, the abundant life you came to secure for us in your life, death, and resurrection. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to The Gospel Life. If you feel or know that you are not yet reconciled to God, I pray that you would know his salvation that he provides and know that you can ask for that, that you can pray for that. 
If you have any questions at all, or if you'd like to submit any audio questions, you can email us at podcast at glpuallop.com. The Lord is my shepherd.